The following contest is scheduled for one fall. Please welcome Mr. Fretz. What's going on, peeps? Welcome to episode 59 of the Fretzelmania podcast. Draft Dodgers in the 21st and a quarter century. With WCW and the invasion and the Attitude Era in the rear view mirror, it is now time to start a new era in Fretzelmania, a new storyline that will usher in the Ruthless Aggression Era. So, throughout the rest of 2022, and Lord willing, even beyond, I will be reviewing Retro Smackdowns every week, starting with March 28th, 2002. It is March 28th, 2002, and we are not live. From the core state spectrum in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the city of brotherly love. This is the last SmackDown before the roster split takes shape. This is the last time Raw and SmackDown will be under the same roof until Backlash. This is the last time you get it. And folks, I know you are hearing the 2003 SmackDown theme, which is going to go on to be my theme for this era of the show, until we get to Rise Up, at least. But Marilyn Manson's Beautiful People is the theme song for SmackDown at this point in time, and I do not want to get us yanked off iTunes, so this will suffice. Enjoy, peeps. This is the advent of Ruthless Aggression. Now, this was taped about a month and a half before WWE would lose their case to the Wild Wildlife Fund and get the F out. This is not long before Stone Cold Steve Austin would drop his ball and go home. This is not long after the Beast Incarnate, the current WWE Champion 20 years later, my God, debuts for the company. Give you a little bit of uh, a piece of the culture at this point in time. I'm about to turn 18 years old. So your boy, Mr. Fretz, is about to become a man. National Lampoon's Van Wilder with Ryan Reynolds is in theaters, and this is a movie that would dominate high school graduation quotes, including my own. Don't take life too seriously. You'll never get out of it alive. Write that down. The WWE is in this awkward transition phase. You know, the Attitude Era is over. The Invasion Angle is over, which, in my mind, was part of the Attitude Era, because the Invasion wasn't an era. It was a storyline that lasted, like, four months. And it sucked. And in my mind, the WWE doesn't become ruthless aggression until two things happen. The World Wildlife Fund wins their case, and the WWE has to get the F out, and Vince McMahon himself comes out on Raw and says that there is a quality that people in this company need, and that's one of ruthless aggression. And at one point in time, he is staring 
John Bradshaw Layfield in the eyes, not knowing that two years later he would be dominating SmackDown as a long-reigning champion in, in my mind, a terrible gimmick change. I loved me some badass beer-drinking APA Bradshaw, but to go from that to Million Dollar Man Light was not only shocking, but in my mind, it straight up sucked. I would have loved a heel Stan Hansen-esque Bradshaw, but that wouldn't be enough to get heat on him. But we're not going to get to Bradshaw, or at least John Bradshaw Layfield, for a long, long time. Bradshaw is on this episode of SmackDown. The brand split, which is something that was born out of the McMahon-Flair rivalry, the consortium that followed the invasion angle the night after the Survivor Series when Stephanie and Shane McMahon were fired and they sold their stock to a consortium that wound up being the debuting, or, I mean, returning for the first time since 1993, Nature Boy Ric Flair, who had a 50-50 ownership partnership with Vince McMahon until about WrestleMania. I believe uh, Ric Flair had to put that on ice in order to wrestle The Undertaker in a banger match at WrestleMania 18 in Toronto. Somewhere in my pre-war days, I actually reviewed that show. So if you want to uh, listen to a cringe wrestling podcast, well, you're listening to one right now, but if you want to listen to even more cringe, listen to me before I joined war because holy shit. <laughs> so this draft had Raw Picks 1, which is uh, Ric Flair's Raw, and Vince McMahon's SmackDown. You pick one, you pick one, and you go on. You had your top 10 draft picks on TV, and the supplemental draft was relegated to WWE.com. And legit, a lot of the guys found out which roster they were on by going on .com. Holy crap. What a time 2002 was. And also, this podcast, of course, it's not going to really match up and coincide with the 20 Bell Salute. I might still bring that back here and there. I didn't do one for Vengeance because I straight up didn't have time and I don't care about Vengeance 2001. Rumble 2002, I literally just reviewed that with the Apron Bump podcast maybe a couple of months ago now, I think sometime in the summer. And we did a watch along of that. So if you want to listen to a fantastic review of that, go listen to Kyle and myself just uh, shoot the shit for a couple hours, including a Rumble 2002 watch along was a quite the fun time in which a thunderstorm made a special guest appearance. Uh, you're just going to have to listen to it and find out. So Monday Night Raw drafted The Undertaker, the NWO, represented by Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and X-Pac, Kane, RVD, Booker T, The Big Show, Bubba Ray Dudley, splitting the Dudley boys, and Brock Lesnar. The supplemental draft on .com included William Regal, Lita, Bradshaw, Stephen Richards, Matt Hardy, Raven, Jeff Hardy, Mr. Perfect, Spike, D'Lo Brown, Sean Stasiak, Terry Reynolds, Jacqueline, PMS Reunion, Goldust, Molly Holly, Just Incredible, The Big Boss Man, who would retire 
shortly after this, Tommy Dreamer, Crash Holly, and Trish Stratus. Over on SmackDown, we had The Rock, Kurt Angle, Chris Benoit, Hulk Hogan, Billy and Chuck, Edge, Rikishi, Devon Dudley, and rounding out the top 10 was a returning Mark Henry who hadn't been seen in the company since the spring of 2000. Next up on the supplemental draft end of things, we had main event Maven. Shout out to uh, Dave Burnham and Big Sexy Michael Reich over on the RA Era podcast in England. Billy Kidman, Tajiri, Chris Jericho, Ivory, Albert, The Hurricane, Al Snow, Lance Storm, Diamond Dallas Page, Perry Saturn, who would be released not long after this, Scotty Too Hottie, Stacey Keebler, Christian, Test, Farouk, splitting off with the APA, Taz, who would go on to be on commentary, Hardcore Holly, The Big Valbowski, so they didn't draft Val Venus, they drafted his cock. And rounding off this list is Tori Wilson. Of course, the title holders in the WWE at the time being Triple H and Jazz, respectively, are floaters. So they go from brand to brand, at least for now. And the free agent throughout this whole thing is Stone Cold Steve Austin. Now it's noted that after WrestleMania X8, Steve Austin took some time off to, you know, go heal and uh, just recover from a little bit of the burnout that he was experiencing. He was going nonstop since coming back in October 2000, give or take a couple of weeks here and there for some injuries in which he did backstage skits with Kurt Angle and a tiny cowboy hat. Looking at these rosters... SmackDown stacked, and it's one of the reasons I wanted to uh, to review SmackDown. I didn't get to watch SmackDown until I got a satellite dish at my parents' house, and that wasn't until 2005. But somehow our basic cable package just uh, blew up overnight, and I managed to get the score, you know, a sports station up here in Canada that got SmackDown. And the first time I got to watch SmackDown was 2003, so it's going to be a little while after this. I'm not familiar at all with early Ruthless Aggression era SmackDown. It's completely new to me. I probably read the spoilers online on message boards back in the day, but watching it with fresh eyes is... uh, It's going to be awesome. And because of the SmackDown 6, I was tempted to call this... The Ruthless Six podcast, but it doesn't really roll off the tongue properly. But we'll see where we go from here. Now, finally, starting off this show properly, we are in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the city of brotherly love, home of the Philadelphia Flyers, the Philly Cheesesteak, and King of the Ring 95 that I reviewed with Kyle on Apron Bump. Oh, oh boy. Let's go. Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler call the action as Booker T and DDP kick off the show with a WCW-esque match. On Raw the previous week, Booker T and Christian tagged with Edge and DDP. And we had a bit of a schmoz there that allowed the heels to win. This is back when Booker T was a heel. 
We had DDP being a lottery pick, losing the European title to William Regal the previous week on Monday Night Raw. And Jerry Lawler is looking at DDP and saying, hey, he's always smiling. What's he thinking? What's a guy like that thinking, Michael Cole? And we are in front of an alleged 16,500 fans. And yes, once again here, the brand extension begins with Raw the following week. And this is the reason why I picked this episode of SmackDown as the starting point. Was everyone's under the same banner. We had the draft. This is what's going to be happening going forward. DDP with a really nice lariat and a sit-down powerbomb. He goes for the diamond cutter. Connects with the diamond cutter, I mean. Booker T rolls out of the ring. And, oh my goodness, a young Brock Lesnar storms the ring and does a really wicked double-leg spinebuster takedown on DDP. Lands an F5 and just leaves the ring here. The era of Brock Lesnar begins here. Kurt Angle is out next for a promo, and not only are we at the genesis of McGillicuddy, I mean, the You Suck chance, we are less than a year into the What chance. So all this is white hot. Kurt Angle gets all of the heat here. American Zero, and instead of United States of America, we got someone with a bit of wordplay here. You suck, Angle. Okay, can of Coke to you. That was good. And uh, hearing all the what chants between every sentence. Oh. oh boy, what did I get myself into? So he calls the audience pathetic. And this is a this is as pathetic as when Stephanie McMahon lost on Monday Night Raw and was forced to leave the WWE. Yeah, uh, she was in a triple threat match with Triple H and Chris Jericho. Triple H pinned her, and as a result, Stephanie McMahon was fired from her position on Monday Night Raw. But we'll get to see her a little later in the year. Kurt Angle's like, I thought this was the city of brotherly love. Have you been to Philly? I haven't personally, but yeah, they boo Santa Claus, okay? <laughs> and then Kurt Angle is putting over Stephanie here, calling her a bright, blossoming flower. <clears throat> Giggity. And he holds a moment of silence for Stephanie McMahon. Lights go out. Nice little picture of Steph on the Titantron here, and the crowd just... Boo the whole thing. Vince McMahon comes to the ring. And he says, when you desecrate my daughter's name, you desecrate mine. And he blames Triple H for this whole thing. He seduced, married my daughter, and humiliate and beat her. Michael Cole, you know, Jerry Lawler calls Triple H an abuser. And Michael Cole says she deserved it. Wow. Uh, Vince McMahon calls Triple H a son of a bleep. Yeah, turns out the word bitch is censored on UPN, although it is not censored anywhere else on the network. And they say the word bitch at least four more times during this show. Heck, they say it a couple more times during this segment because uh, 
Vince McMahon goes on to say that he blames Triple H for Steph's behavior, and then Triple H comes out with two belts. This is back when being the Undisputed Champion gave you the WCW and the WWE title, gave you a bit more baggage to carry here. And he says, uh, Triple H here, you think I'm a bad influence? You ain't seen nothing yet. You know, Vince McMahon said that he was going to make Triple H's life a living hell, and Triple H was also going to do that if he screws with him. And then he says, yeah, we should honor Stephanie McMahon with the closing moments of her WWE career, which involved her getting spine-bustered and pinned by Triple H. Yeah, uh... 2002, folks, uh, different time. Jerry Lawler then says, Triple H, he had his foot on Stephanie's beautiful chest. Dude! <sighs> okay, and uh, they showed the crowd singing, na 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 na, hey, 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 goodbye. And Kurt Angle wants to show Triple H some manners. And Vince wants to do the same. So we're going to have a handicap match. Well, hold on a minute, player. I mean, woo! Hold on a minute. Woo! There, play. I can't impersonate Ric Flair. Yeah. You think you're making the rules tonight? Nah, nah, nah. I'm still 50-50. Like it or not. So tonight, we're having a tag team match here. We got Ric Flair and Triple H against Kurt Angle and Vince McMahon. Rick Flair goes back in time here for a second because he's like, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, I won the title here. I partied all night. Woo! Takes off his jacket. Okay, we're we're going to crazy Flair country here. Oh, oh, okay, sure. And throughout this entire segment, uh, the word bitch was bleeped like four times. Backstage, the Dudley boys prepare for what would be their last match for a little while. They say, tonight... We beat Billy and Chuck, become the tag team champions, or we go our separate ways. Do or die, this could be our last tag team match. Tonight, we make history in the city where the Dudleys were born. We're going to take Billy and Chuck to the extreme. Oh, my brother, testify. You, you love so. Billy and Chuck, the tag team champions, enter the ring here with their hairstylist, Rico. Billy and Chuck have been tag team champions since about uh, February 2002. And this gimmick here, there's definitely some androgynous overtones here. So trigger warning for a good portion of this run. So at the start of this match, Bubba Ray is chopping Chuck Palumbo really, really hard. Like, loud, loud chops. And yeah, his chest goes beat red here, so I don't know if Bubba's taking liberties here or if they're like, hey, we're in Philly. This is where the Dudleys were born. We're going to bring it just a little bit more. Okay? Okay. Oh, and this is the Dilly Boys' last match until, spoiler alert, like, November, December. So, Devon is getting worked over through a bit of this match here. We have a hot take to Bubba Ray, who lands a DDT, a slam, and a Samoan drop, a Bubba bomb, and 
we thought we were getting the 3D here because the crowd was chanting three, but it was just a double flapjack on Billy Gunn. Devon Dudley goes to the top rope, but Rico grabs the foot, and Jerry the King Lawler has a line here that that talks about how oh, Rico was just uh, looking at his shoes or judging his his shoes because I don't know he Rico here was not only their hairstylist but he was also their their fashion expert here. So we have the Dudleyville device, and even in two thousand two, Michael Cole says the word vintage. Vintage Dudley boys here with the Dudleyville device. Yeah, that is vintage Road Warriors, my friend. And Rico just strikes the referee here. We have a Famasser on, on, I believe, Bubba Dudley and still tag team champions. That's heat. Shout out to Taro Yuno Yaro <laughs> fan club on Twitter. If you know that guy, you know him. Uh, that's heat, says Bully Ray, because after the match here, we have the post-match beatdown where the Dudley boys get their heat back, playing all the hits, the Wazop headbutt, the 3D, the table, and they have uh, they have a moment in the ring. They have a hug. They go their separate ways, and Bubba Ray's eye is bloodshot as heck, or infected, or pink eye or something. Get away from me, dude. Just a yikes. The APA have one last call backstage. They're about to be closed until about 2003. Like, we came in drinking beer. What better way to go out than drinking beer? They reference the time that uh, they kicked everyone's ass at the friendly tap. That was a fun one. Tajiri and Tori come in here. And uh, he says to Tajiri, go tell everyone that we're having a party. Tori Wilson, you stay here and play naked. I mean, cards. They gun play strip poker. There's beer for everybody. Lita and Matt Hardy have an interview backstage. It's great to have Team Extreme once again as a unit on the same brand. The Hardy boys and Lita are all drafted on Raw. Well, at least, at least for now. Jericho is mad that he's on SmackDown. He should still be the WWE Undisputed Champion on both shows. And then Matt calls Chris a has-been. And Jericho does not take too lightly to that. Because, of course, beats the crap out of Matt Hardy. And we got a match later in the show. This next promo. Oh my gosh, this, this, this rules so hard. We have Hogan, Rock, and Kane backstage. And, you know... Hogan's like, hey, Kane's a, he's a big, scary dude. And I faced a lot of big, scary dudes in my life. And uh, The Rock's like, yeah, he, he's a big, scary dude. But hey, come on now. He ain't King Kong Bundy. He ain't Kamala. He's one big, scary, ass-kicking red machine. And then we have a bit here with uh, Kane. He's, he's cutting a promo here. And Rock goes to Kane. Are you ready? I'm ready. Rock, are you ready? Oh, yeah. It doesn't matter if you're ready. Tonight, The Rock, Kane, and Hogan are going up against the NWO. And then Kane breaks into, you know something, brother? The millions and millions of Rock's fans, 20,000 Hulkamaniacs, 20,000 screeding Canaanites. Canaanites? What you gonna do when Rock... Hogan and Kane run wild on you. And does all of 
Hulk's poses and is six years old there for a second and they're hyped and they're taking on Scott Hall, Kevin Nash and X-Pac of the NWO. The network here gives me a really crappy cover of Voodoo Child. That's not the only crappy cover I heard tonight and I was devastated. Kane rules and I will hear nothing to the contrary. That is all. And I love this bit here on SmackDown where they have the name card for the Titan Tron below it. And The Rock is the number one draft kickster for SmackDown. Oh boy, this is awkward. And eventually here with this match breaks out into a schmoz. We have The Rock laying the SmackDown on SmackDown. SmackDownception. Scott Hall catches Rock in the last call. AKA, as uh, Stuart Brooks put it on the New Gen podcast, a sack of shit. Shout out to Stuart Brooks. Spinebuster on Scott Hall, hot tag to Hogan, who runs wild, brother. He yeets X-Pac over the top rope. A leg drop on Scott Hall, Nash breaks that up. Hall has a long sleeper on the Hulkster, who has a hot, hot tag to Kane. And then years of this rivalry that's been going on for two years at this point in time, at least. Kane eventually gets the choke slam. On X-Pac. And the baby faces win. Here. This was just a wild crazy match. This is just a way to get everyone. Under the same building. Until the brand split takes effect. And my gosh. This was. It was fun to revisit. I mean. Yeah. Hogan has said a lot of stupid shit. Over his life. And it's. It's deplorable. It is awful. But I can't help feeling a little nostalgic when he gets out there as Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Backstage, the APA plays strip poker and reminisce about old times with Christian, Spike Dudley, the Godfather, the Hurricane, Tajiri, Tori Wilson, Booker T, Ivory, Funaki, Jackie, and Val Venus. And uh, they say, hey, remember the time Val and, Val and Godfather went to a nudie bar? And then Christian's like, hey, Remember when we jumped you and hit you with, they're going to go with uh, a concerto bit here because of the match between APA and Edge and Christian at, I believe it was fully loaded 2000, one of the best pay-per-views in all of the Attitude Era. And uh, eventually, Farouk and Bradshaw are like, like what? Man, Tajiri wins the hand here. He has the best hand in poker. Christian says he was one card away from a straight flush and throws the tantrum, bashing the table. And, uh, yeah, what's wrong with this boy? Next up here is Rob Van Dam versus Test for the Intercontinental title. And this is when we had the one-of-a-kind theme that would follow Rob throughout the rest of his career. Let's go. Test, the late great Andrew the Punisher Martin, pride of Oshawa, Ontario, Canada. And the only person listening to this who will know where Oshawa is, is Slack, but F you Slack, or possibly my cousin Johnny or Ricky. If you guys are hearing that, text me, guys. Love yous. Uh, we have a crossbody catch here. Test, of course, playing the powerhouse. Rob Van Dam playing the <clears throat> high flyer. And in, during this match, the announcers talk about the fact that they don't know where they're being drafted, and that's 
that's a little problematic. That's kind of like spring it, springing it on JR in the middle of the show that he's going to SmackDown. Oh, wait, they actually did that as a rib. Fuck you, Vince. Test here has a full Nelson slam. Foot on the rope. Nope. Test pushes Earl Hebner because he has immunity. He thinks he can get away with everything. But Earl Hebner don't tolerate no BS, and he pushes back. Test uses the ropes for leverage, and Earl just straight up drop kicks Test right in the arms and uh, leads into a sunset flip by Rob. A powerbomb into a sunset flip. Fast count by Hebner and Van Tam. He retains his title. And this match was hilarious because Test is trying to uh, use all the heel tropes in the book because he has the immunity battle royal. He can't get fired for a year no matter what he does. And Earl Hebner is just like, I don't give a crap. You're doing what I say, dude. Sawed off. Backstage, Raven, who is facing Maven later in the night for the hardcore title, quotes Oscar Wilde, saying, We destroy the things we love, but they in turn destroy us. He says that Maven's passion will lead to his downfall, courtesy of the Raven effect. Leading into our next match for the hardcore title, Raven challenging Maven for a said title. Main event Maven, but we do not get his actual theme here. Uh, Behind the Stars, that one's called. It's it, it's a banger of a theme. And uh, Raven pushes his Bubbles shopping cart straight from Sunnyvale Trailer Park to the ring here with all the weapons and the plunder. Uh, Maven hits a hilarious spot here where he low blows Raven with... A, uh, a broom and uh, wiggles it up and down. Uh, just ouch, ouch, ouch. It's as, it's as if he was going to get crotched on the ropes, but he does that with a broom. Uh, Maven botched a spot here where he was going to get uh, backdropped to the outside, but land on the apron. But he <laughs> he just went right over, over the top rope. Brief UF'd up chant that don't don't do that. Uh, eventually he lands back on his feet, but then hits a missile drop kick off the top rope onto Raven. Tommy Dreamer comes out of the ring here with a cookie sheet, eventually gets bumped out here and throughout all this chaos, Raven gets the Raven effect DDT and wins the hardcore championship, sending that title to Monday Night Raw. Ankle and Vince have a chat backstage about Austin being a free agent and then leads into the bit where they talk about their match later in the show and have a rundown of the draft backstage the APA has their party Hurricane passes out from the alcohol William Regal plays the role of Buzz Killington here crashing the party resulting in a last call bar fight and then the lights go out the close sign is up and the APA is closed for business. The APA gets the cheers treatment. If you know, you know. Main event time, Vince and Kurt Angle versus Triple H and Ric Flair. <laughs> Smell that? 
I smell a future shock. I smell an evolution in professional wrestling. Especially since in a couple of weeks, we get the debut of a certain third generation blue chipper. Oh, we'll get there, folks. Nate is wrestling in dress pants and uh, Jerry Lawler makes fun of him for not having his gear. Then my sources told me that he didn't have his gear here tonight. He, he is not tanned. He looks like a big glass of milk. <laughs> I'm glad this is the last time I'm ever going to have to deal with JR. I mean, King on this podcast. I love JR. Run it back. I love JR. So he says something about Michael Cole. I mean, says something about Vince McMahon being. Uh, soon to be the ex father in law of Triple H. Finch does a bunch of posing, tags in Ric Flair, who then tags in Kurt Angle because uh, we're not going to get that face off quite yet. And Ric Flair pokes Kurt Angle in the face. Classic, dirtiest player in the game bit here. Chops, woo, tags in Triple H. Vince locks in the figure four on Ric Flair. Ric Flair reverses it, but... As soon as that happens, Angle drops the elbow on Flair's back. Vince mocks Rick's, Rick Flair's woo. We get a bunch of chops in the corner, and just the look on Vince McMahon's face here when he is selling the chops here is absolutely priceless. Rick Flair is about to go for the figure four, but before he can fall back and lock it in, the Undertaker bolts to the ring, big boots Flair in the face. Angle and Vince win this tag team match. Taker is still up in Ric Flair's business, despite now Ric Flair being a businessman, being the general manager, kind of, of Raw, while Vince McMahon is running the show on SmackDown. How will Ric Flair and The Undertaker coexist on Monday Night Raw? Well, you're just going to have to read the dirt sheets because I'm not messing with Raw for a long, long time. Because I'm going to the blue brand. I'm going to SmackDown. And next week officially kicks off the brand split era. And I hope that you join me there. That will do it for this episode, peeps. Thank you very much for listening. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Fretzelmania, F-R-E-T-Z-L-E Mania. Follow us, Wrestle Addict Radio, the cure for the Common Wrestling Podcast, on Twitter at Addict underscore Wrestle, Instagram at Wrestle Addict Radio, our Patreon, patreon.com slash Wrestle Addict Radio, the cure for the Common Wrestling Patreon. I've put up a couple of Bonus shows on there in the past little while, including my predictions for 2022 and my top 10 matches of 2021. What else would I have on there? I have a couple of ideas for Fretz's Fave 5. If you have some topics you want me to cover on the Patreon, you can send me a DM on Twitter or send me a bit in the Patreon group chat. It's five bucks a month. Join us. Patreons also get... 15% off of their merch on Spring. Links for all this will be in the description below. There's some great content coming up on our Written in War blog as well. Keep an eye open for that. Listen to the rest of our shows on the network, including the Kings of the Rings podcast, who stream their show live 
every Wednesday evening on Twitch and YouTube, starting about uh, 7.30, 7.45 on a Wednesday night. And at the time of recording, of course, I just listened to the return of Mr. YLP, the Young Lions Perspective, and it is so great to have good brother Zach back. Zach, hope you're doing well, brother. Enjoy Colorado. I've been there a couple times. It's really nice. That'll do it for this week. Peace out. Keep your stick on the ice.